Welcome to the Yeshiva Shalmayla. This is David Lichtenstein. This week's topic will be organ donations and halacha. And this was prompted by Mrs. D, Rashem Yen who was killed by terrorists. And from her body, they took organs that saved the bodies of five people, two kidneys, a liver, a heart, and pancreas. So many people have been calling up and saying, should we sign organ donor cards? Is this a good thing? Etc. So we decided, let's discuss it. We have from Montreal, the Rav Rashi of Montreal, Harav Hagoyin, Rabbi Yamin Weiss, he's an expert in medical halacha. We have from the five towns, Rabbi Dr. Aaron Glatt, who wears two, two ksarim. He's both a rabbi, but he's also a physician and an expert in, and he'll be speaking about which organs do you need permission from the mace, etc.? And we then we have from California, from Los Angeles, we have Rabbi Wiener, Rabbi Hudaleb Wiener. He's the rabbi of Cedar Sinai, one of the largest hospitals in the United States with many, many Jewish patients, and he paskins these shilas constantly. So you're talking about somebody, a Rav, who's actually works with these shilas, the Rav of a huge medical center, should make for a fascinating discussion. Before we go to our guests, I want to say a verse. Rashi says... Every Kayin, the first day of his Avoida, would bring a carbon. Rashin Tzav. It was called a Minchas Chinuch. Imagine, first time, the inaugural, his inauguration as a Kayin to the Avoida, which is, I believe, the Minchas Chinuch. He named his Sefer Minchas Chinuch, sort of like, it's his, it's his first donation. Maybe it has a deeper shot. We'll see in another minute. And then Rama, Rashi says something fascinating. He says, the Kayin Gadol brought a Minchas Chinuch every single day. This that the Kayin brought once in a lifetime, your first time, you get to do something, you remember the first time you put on tefillin, your first Aliyah, the Kayin Gadol did it every single day. Every day was his first day. Just imagine, every day, if you could get up in the morning and everything you did yesterday is gone. Everything's forgiven. It's called, by the way, it's called the Mita of Chanon, grace. Forgiveness without any conditions, unconditionally, the Kayin Gadol had it. Imagine, imagine your kid came into the dinner last night and looked at the table and he said, again, meatloaf or chicken? And you snapped at him and you said, is this, is this how you speak to your, ma- your mother? Is this Derek Heretz? And he runs out and he slams his door. And then you go in and you sort of say, listen, you know, you try to repair it. You say, listen, you tell your son, you know, sorry, I snapped at you. I, I had a long day. Let's discuss it. Why are you feeling this way? Imagine that every day, if everything was repaired, you could wake up in the morning and it's all new every single day. Nothing amazing. Hard to imagine. How did the Kayin Gadol do it? Okay, the Kayin Gadol was the champion. He's the, he's the you know, the, the Ovid, the, the, the one chosen. He goes, he's the only one. But still, every day to wake up that way, where it's all new, Everything's it's it's a brand new day. Let's look for some hints. What do we know about the Kayin Gadol? He's Makriv Ainun. Somebody died. One of his Ayin Kravim, right? He's Makriv Ainun, right? It could even be, I'm sorry, one of one of Tes Kravim. He's Makriv Ches Kravim. Even one of his eight Kravim, he's Makriv Ainun. What does that mean? His service, his avoid continues. It's like a bullet. I think I said this once in the past. Did you ever see a cheetah? When it runs, have you ever seen a picture? A cheetah that runs, if it goes more than two or three times and it misses one of them, it dies because it, it loses the strength. When it's going after its prey, do you think it's thinking about anything else? It's pure 100% focus. The Kaingadal's focus on his avaida, he sees nothing. He's macrovainan. Something amazing. Again, how does he do that? So let's continue. What else do we know about the Kaingadal? It says the Kaingadal is not metame. He doesn't, to the Zion Kravim, he doesn't, he's not Matame. 
Benoi, Bita, Rachman, he's not Metame. What does that mean, he's not Metame? Misa is the biggest darkness that could happen in this world. Everything, nothing, like death, death is the end, it's the end. He's the person who darkness, he's not allowed to touch darkness, he stays away from darkness. La'aviv, la'imai, benai, bita, la'yitame. He has to always be besimcha. And a kain gadol, we understand he's not allowed to marry a grusha. Why is he not allowed to marry an almana? An almana is the same concept. There's a certain sadness that hangs over her. The kain gadol, He's macrophone and he's the cheetah. He's the one who's just total focused on service, sees nothing. You know, in our lives, a lot of times we do have focus. We have to, you know, we're learning. The biggest finger person could be is a bentaira. He's learning. He's a teacher. What could be higher than a teacher to change the direction of children's lives? You're at work. You're supporting your family. You're doing what you have to do. So all of us have a focus. Then the cell phone comes in. This would be an example of what the oinun, you know, the things that's, that stop that krava, right? Wake up in the morning, first thing is you look at your messages. After you finish your messages, that's the WhatsApp. After the WhatsApp, there's all the news, whatever news stations you may want to. What about emails? I forgot about emails. What about the financial sites? You have to see if financially how you're doing. And then you may have gotten some clips. Let's check a few funny clips that we got on our WhatsApp. All of this is the noise that surrounds us. The kaingadal didn't hear any noise, wasn't matami to any kravim, no, no, no confusion, no noise, no darkness came to him. He was makravainen, he went straight, he had his, his goal clear in front of him, his service, his avoida, straight in front of him. If we can do that, then we, we could really become like a kayengadol. We say, you know what, I'm, I'm just dropping all that noise out of my life. The politics in Shoal, the politics in Eretz Yisrael, the politics in the neighborhood, I don't hear any, I don't see any of it. And, and you know what, not hearing it or seeing it, guess what? It's not going to hurt me. It's not going to hurt you at one bit. It's just the things we do because we're looking for distractions, because maybe our focus is worn down a little bit. So what does it say about Kali Yisrael? We're a mamleches kaihanim. We are all kaihanim. And what does the Balaturim say? We were all meant to be kaihanim gedailim. He says, Chait got in the way and we lost it. Well, Slavi will get it back. But we were supposed to be a kaihanim too, me and you. So what does that mean? We can all aspire. If I can figure out in my life less phone time, less distraction time, less news time, less politic time, less gossip time, less being concerned about things that really I can't change in any way. You know what happens? You and I, we can become like a kind gadol, and we can bring him in chaschenach every single day. Let's go to our riddles of the week. So we're going to do a riddle about the topic we're discussing, not on the Parsha. So here's the question. A guy dies. Manolotzan, I refer a guy, he signs on his thing, I absolutely do not want any avarim taken from me, chas v'shalom. He's against it, etc. A doctor calls up his local orthodox paisik, and he says, listen, doctor, the doctor says to the rabbi, listen, rabbi, I have a big problem. I have five guys in the next room, they're going to die. Two need kidneys, one's need a pan- one needs a pancreas, one needs a liver, one needs a large intestine, small intestine, whatever it is. Have a macea, they have it. But the guy signed, absolutely no harvesting of my organs. Here's the question. If I take it, what will be the problem? Well, nibala mace is no problem. Pikuach lefesh is daicha. Kfurit is no problem. Pikuach lefesh is daicha. What could be the problem? You're stealing from the mace. Right? So here's the question. Two questions. 
First of all, theft should be mutter, the makam pikuach nefesh. But more than that, Reb Moshe was asked the following question. Fascinating. He says, I got a letter from Washington, from the office of the president. Can you do autopsies on a body for medical purposes? For medical, stu- for students. Ramesha writes back, we'll put the tshuva line, it's a negris Moshe, that he has a kabbalah ish mi pi ish ad Moshe Rabbeinu, that a person is not a bailam on his own body. The body doesn't belong to you, it belongs to the Rabbeinu Shalom, it belongs to the Bairiyalam, the one who created it. Right? You use it temporarily. So he says, if it's not yours, how could you donate it for medical so here's the other side of that. If you don't own it, when somebody takes an Ava from it, he's not stealing anything. So here's my riddle. Why can't you take organs without the permission of the donor? Because it's pikuach nefesh. And there's even if there's a lab of navel, etc., all these are nitcha pikuach because of pikuach nefesh. If there's theft, pikuach nefesh is doicha theft, according to almost everybody except for the Binyan C and Wanshita. But we're saying even more than that. There is no theft because you don't own your body. So I understand that. He's saying, well, the rabbi is going to say, you know, you're going to lose your medical license. Let's not talk medical license. Let's talk in Lamdish. Why would you ever need the Haskama? You should be allowed to do it because Pikachu's Nefesh is the Holy Sermon to Tyra. And here in particular, we don't own your body. I asked multiple rabbanim this question. None of them could really come up with an answer. So I'm putting, giving a prize. Somebody has an answer to this question. We're going to send them a $100 gift certificate to their local Sfarim store. If you want to leave a message by phone or dial in by phone to listen, in America, our number is 732-806-8700. In England, it's 44, that's the country code, 33-011-70250. In Eretz Yisrael, it's uh, 02-372-0304. Let's go to our fabulous Shir. Joining us from Montreal is Harav Hagarian, Rabbi Yaman White. He's the chief rabbi of Montreal. Welcome, Rabbi White. Assalamu alaikum. So there was a, an incident in Eretz Yisrael that got a lot of news recently, where an English woman was killed in the West Bank, and the family donated her organs to other Israelis who needed them, and they say she saved five people's lives. So a lot of people have been calling or interested, should they sign donor cards, Etc. Etc. So we figured we'd get an expert in this topic to be able to speak to the Olam about about these uh, about these shilas. Mm. So the first question I wanted to ask you is: It organ donation is it prohibited? Is it a, is it asa? Is it muta? Is it a mitzvah? And, and and you can go through the different times during lifetime after death. But that's sort of the the question. People are inspired. They're saying, "Wow, she saved five people's lives." Is that a mitzvah? Did she do something that was asa? Could the Rob give us some some, um, some feedback? Yes. Uh, thank you for giving this uh, opportunity to talk about this very important issue. So, so to address uh, your question about the mitzvah of donating organs, uh, let me say that we have one of the biggest mitzvahs is gemilas chosodim, and gemilas chosodim is, is possible in two in two ways: gemilas chosodim begufo, gemilas chosodim 
We all know what Gemilas Chuzudim Bemamoyno is. But Gemilas Chuzudim Begufa is like Pikachoylim, like what Hatzula members do 24-7. They give away their time and their energies to save people's lives. And that is Gemilas Chuzudim Begufa, which is on a very high level of, of Kiyomai Mitzvahs. But the highest uh, level of Gemilas Chuzudim Begufa is when a person donates part of his body to save another person's life. So when it comes to donating uh, live, uh, live donors, uh, donating a kidney or a family member donating a lobe of their liver to save another person's life, it's, it's a tremendous mitzvah as a chus, and uh, uh, there's no, uh, uh, I can go on and on, but it's, 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 it's definitely one of the highest levels of kibbutz chusudim possible. We and cannot, and you, I'm sure you know, I'm sure the Rav knows people whose lives were saved this way. There's no question about it. Um, but it's not an obligation. And that's an important distinction. It's not a chiyuv. Because when we turn it into a chiyuv, first of all, it's problematic because a person, uh, to, to ask for a person to, to uh, or to machive a person to give away a part of his body, it's, it's problematic. But it's also, uh, 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 from a psychological point of view, very problematic because if a person is afraid for any reason to do that, He's going to be plagued by guilt uh, that he was over a mitzvah, over a chiyuv in the Torah. So it's not a chiyuv. This, this is the moskun of the paiskim. It's a mitzvah. It's recommended. It's a tremendous chus, but it's not a chiyuv. So if a person, for any reason he has, he, he's afraid to do it or he can't do it, he's not over anything. So that's putting it aside. So in, in essence, giving away a part of a, body, a person's body to save another person's life is a tremendous mitzvah. Let's go on from that to not live donors. So many many parts of, of, of uh, organ donation, many parts of the body cannot be used unless they're taken from the donor while the donor is still alive to be able to give it, to, to, to implant it into, into the recipient. So, of course, taking out a, 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 a part of a person's body while he's still alive is Tzicha, and that although Hatzolus Mephoshes is doich hakolis surim shabatoyre pikuach nefesh is doich hakolis surim shabatoyre. There's one issue that it's not doich, and that is loisirtzach. We cannot be over loisirtzach to save a person's life. It's one of the three cardinal sins. Gimel averes chamurois that it's there's no mitzvah in the Torah that is doich that issue. So we have to look at. Uh, the organ donation from the perspective of who the no- donor is and how do we procure those organs. If they have to be taken out when a person is still alive, and by doing that, we're killing the donor, it's un- not allowed. It's a, it's, it's, it's a issue. So here we come to the very the crux of the question. Is there a possibility to remove those organs from the donor while the, uh, while the, the organs are still viable and be able to be used in the recipient? Is it possible to remove them after the donor is declared dead? So if the don- donor is no longer alive, then it's a separate question. Are these uh, uh, organs, are they allowed to be used or not? But, but we're not dealing with taking some, someone's, sacrificing someone's life to save another's life. So here's the, here's the dilemma. There is, in, 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 in the general medical uh, community in the last few decades, there was a development where they tried to find a way where the donor can be declared as not alive and the organs will still be viable. So they came up with this solution of declaring brain death, meaning that there are various ways of trying to determine 
if a person is, person's brain is dead or not. So if they can be able to achieve a situation where the donor is still breathing and there's still blood circulating in his body so that all the organ, organs are still viable, but he, if he's declared as dead so they can harvest his organs because he's no longer alive. So they came up with this concept of brain death. If a person can be technically declared as dead, although his organs are still being being uh, oxygenated and, and, and there's still blood circulation going on, then we have a wonderful solution. Find out, if, find ways to determine brain death, and then these organs can be used. So this debate started about 30 years ago in, in, in between the Gedoyle Yisrael. And I don't want to go into the, the technicalities of the, 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 the discussion, who has said what, and if it, if it was understood correctly or not, but uh, I, I, I believe that the vast majority of the look of the previous generation were of the opinion that as long as a person's heart is beating and there is blood circulating in his body, this person cannot be declared as dead. So in essence, most major organs cannot be harvested from a donor unless there is blood circulation going on until the last moment. And to, 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 uh, to declare a person dead why this is happening is halakhically not acceptable. To turn off, to, to keep him alive or to keep him uh, on the machines until a few minutes before the, the harvest is, is to take, taking place and then turning off the machine to stop the heart in the, in the brain is again uh, tantamount to taking a person's life. So although the mitzvah is great, but the Easter is also greater, taking a person's life cannot be happening while saving another person's life. So we're dealing, when we're dealing with... Post-harmously. Yes, I want to talk post-harmously, post what would you say? Post-harmously what? And, and now let's go to the last stage, where the, the person's heart has stopped beating and he's unlawfully considered dead, taking organs out at that point. Okay, so that's that's a good question. So if we put aside the question of of of, of harvesting uh, organs from a person who is kept alive, let's call it even artificially, in order to you know what happens normally is when there's a potential donor who's been injured irreversibly and, and he's, he's he's going to die if we don't if we don't do something quickly. So and 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 then they start looking for donors. So they need a very small window between. Uh, removing the organ from the donor and to putting it into recipient. That window is, it cannot be too long, let's say an hour or two or whatever it is. So they have to keep them artificially going until that recipient, that, uh, that, uh, that, that person that needs this organ, can be prepared and brought together and to, to be able to receive that organ. So if it's only possible by, by keeping them alive and then removing them, then this is out of question. Now you asked a different question. What happens if the person is no longer alive and we want those organs to save another person's life? So here we have a much lesser Isur. We're talking about Isur Hanoa of a mess. We're not allowed to derive any benefit from a, non, a person who's not alive. But, but on the other hand, we're dealing with But here we have a, a condition. There has to be a choyle lefaneinu, meaning that if I have a, a, a person who is in need of this organ, and the organ can be used even if it's removed posthumously, then technically we can allow it because this organ is saving a life directly. But if they want to harvest organs from a, a, a non-alive a non uh, donor to put it in a bank, where eventually it'll, it'll, it'll be used to save lives, this is not allowed. This is a condition which the Noi de Beyuda put in place. It has to be a choyle lefaneinu. 
And also, the, the, yes, yeah, I want to add only that this is this is, this yeah. is basically very very few organs can be used after after if it's removed after the person is no longer alive. For instance, like a corneal transplant or skin transplants. But again, these can be used only when <coughs> when the chayl is lefaneno. So, Rabbi Weiss, given that, um, and I'm not an expert in this matter, but there's a huge backlog of people who need organs. I know in the United States, it's a seven-year wait. I don't know what it's like in Eretz Yisrael. Um, would you say that the fact that, you know, you call up and they say, yeah, we have a backlog of a year or six months of people, would that have a din of a chayla lefaneinu? Okay, you know, I don't, I don't think, I don't want to push up people's hopes because those backlogs are for Averim which have to be removed from a viable donor. So all these, all these uh, corneal transplants or skin transplants, there's no backlog. This, they are normally put into a bank. And when there's a kidney? burn victim, kidneys it have to be removed while, while it's, it's, it's alive. You, you, a, a kidney, when, it's, when, when the person dies and there's no blood circulation, the decay of the organ is very quick. So it, can, it can't be used when it's taken from a non, non-living donor. You think the child is almost irrelevant then? Exactly. Using, using parts of, of a donor which can be used when they're non-viable anymore are very few. Okay. What about if um, the doctor, somebody needs an organ, and um, he lives in Israel, and the doctors remove the organs from a person that, as you say, many would consider halachically incorrect, which is the way they do it for the most part. And now he says, could I get this organ being that it's in effect you know, it's because of an act of retzicha. Would that, would, should that affect the person's willingness to accept the organ? Okay, I think this is a very personal question, which which every person has to consult with his rov. Uh, because on one hand, uh, he's he, he, on one hand, uh, he's indirectly causing others to do, be over a terrible avira, which is lifna ever. On the other hand, it's not the traver the nara because be the recipient, someone else will be the recipient, and they're going to do it anyway. So this is a very personal issue, which I think uh, on one hand there are. For instance, Shalom Zaman Olav Shalom differentiated between the Chutzlors and the Nitzvot. I don't want to go there. It, it's really a very individual question, which each Chayla has to be consulting with, it, with, it, with his own personal rough to, to, to decide if he wants to go that direction or not. And basically, I just want to add around that the question about donor cards. This comes up very often that many many countries in the and the, the driver's license they attach a donor card or whatever. And again, here too, it, it, this is dependent on on, on the Mechlekes Poiskim. And uh, as I said in the beginning, that that this is this is a very controversial issue. And a donor card even even gives too much power to the doctors to decide uh, whatever 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 course of action they take. And sometimes I don't want to make any 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 generalization, but many times the doctors make shortcuts to be able to do a to do a, a, a transplant, and they don't even go use all the criteria which are necessary to determine a person's if a person is brain dead or not. Putting aside the question if brain dead at all is halachically a valid consideration, but but they even they don't even do it thoroughly. So so a donor card is very problematic. And again, I would suggest everyone should should consult with their rough if they should go that direction or not. I mean, you basically lose all the family loses all control with a donor card. Exactly. Many even put it into, into the, many even put it into their legal will that that uh, they, they they do not consent to to be to be a donor. Okay, go ahead. Is it a consideration that since there are 
a number of Paiskim will hold that once a person has, it's been affirmed that the, the stem is brain dead, that that they have a din of a mace, like you say, rival of the Paiskim don't, but some do. I think the Rabbanu in marriage control holds that way. That it, it's not the savior anymore. When a person could say, "Look, I'm being, I'm being since he's being Simech on this rug, it's not the savior," and that would be a svara to be able to accept the donor who did it in that manner. Well, that, that's an interesting question because a listener ever basically is not like a knas. It, it, you know, we, we, we say that it, it was just right after Pesach, and there's a Yisra of Chometz over all Pesach. Now, those people, mainly Hasidim, that don't eat machine masses, and, and uh, there were Pesachim that said even Chazashim, it's, it's Chometz. There's no Yisra Chometz over Pesach machine masses, even for those that would never eat machine masses on Pesach, because... So Chumash Shavuot Pesach was only a knas. A knas only applies to a person who did something wrong. If he relied on those poiskim that say that Mashimahs are allowed, then there's no, no knas. Lifnever is not a knas. Lifnever is, 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 a, is, a, is a real iser, meaning that if what is being done is also, the person can say, I rely on this, I rely on that. But if according to me or according to that recipient, this is not allowed, then there is Lifnever. And we have to look at other reasons why Lifnever wouldn't apply. As I mentioned before, Tayyavna Zanara, or maybe, uh, I don't want to go into that, the, the technicalities. Interesting. But I don't think that's, so let's that, say, that's a valid argument. So in other words, a Litzvak would not be able to give a Chassid, let's say, who carries in, uh, with an Erev in like Barapak of Lapish, something to carry, because even though the Chassid holds he's doing it al halacha, and he holds it's Asa, there would still be a list of Eber, even though the other person holds it's Mata. <laughs> Interesting. Okay. Interesting. Yes. <laughs> Interesting. Yes. Rabbi Weiss, you, you, you're one of the world experts in medical issues. Can you think of a, an organ or a transplant Shiloh that maybe the island would like to hear something interesting over the years that may have come your way? Every, every, every Shiloh is interesting and every Shiloh is, 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 touches, touches, uh, is very emotional. But I, I, I would go back to the, our beginning statements. The, this organization that set up this wonderful uh, network of donating live organs to save people's lives is is one of the biggest myths I can it, it, conceivable, it, and so so we uh, I can use all all the superlatives, but but really it's a gewaldige mitzvah to to every person who is healthy should consider, uh, and and he knows of someone who needs an organ like a kidney or or a liver, uh, as I said before, a liver lobe. It, it's a gewaldige mitzvah to do so. And I would just, uh, highly recommend uh, considering this seriously. Okay, let me let me leave you with one last question. Um, it's it's a little humorous, but I would just like to hear your your thought on it. Um, I heard this from the fellow. Uh, it's a true story, but I'm going to use it as a, as a I, uh, uh, the fellow who runs the kidney organization. Um, um, Sandy, I forgot his last name. My apologies. Renewal or relief or renewal. renewal he said yeah. that. Uh, yeah, he said that uh, a Satmar Chassid gave his kidney, and it ended up with somebody who was a Zionist. He said, "Look, just do me one favor. Don't bring my kidney to the council." Okay, well, he, he was laughing, <laughs> but he he actually had. But I, I want to ask you, so you talk about, a, uh, you take from a mace, and I, I know the answer, but I think it's worth hearing, and you um, 
you would you would put let's say hands onto a kain. You would take his yadayim. Would would there be any problem with birchas kaihanim? Like, do you do you see post transplant that it becomes totally the new person's uh, organs, or is it sort of the old person's organs and the new person? Yeah, you know what? I would I would go a step further with your question. Heart transplants. We know that the the shabalev and and the emotions stem from the left. When a person has has someone else's heart, <laughs> whose emotions is he experiencing? Yes, yeah, or even a step he's further. He's a hard-hearted person. Does the new person become hard-hearted? <laughs> Who's hard is it? Yeah, exactly. Or, or which questions comes up very often. Today they use, by, by valve surgery, they, use, they take valves from a pig. Because that's the most, as Chazal stated, that the, the anatomy of a pig is very similar to that of a human being. So today they take valves from a pig and implant it to, to, to correct the faulty valve, a heart valve, cardiac valve. Is that allowed or not? I, I have this question many times. To have a part of a chazan in my body? It's, people are, are, are traumatized by the whole idea. And, and, so, and, and, he, and, he, and he's about chilla, Rosh Hashanah, and Kippen out his fellow. Exactly, exactly. So, halachically, there's absolutely no question. It's allowed, and it's a mitzvah, it's a tzolus nefoshes, and when, when, a, when a heart from a non-Jew is, is in, trans, trans, uh, transplanted into a Jew, it's a Jewish heart. So the, the, and, he, the, and he doesn't have, it doesn't require geiris. He doesn't require geiris for the heart. Absolutely not. <laughs> yeah, no. Okay, let's wish all the choyli yisrael for Islamer, and, and uh, thank you for this opportunity to speak to you. Kalta. Joining us from New York is Rabbi Dr. Aaron Glatz. He's a rabbi as well as a, a, he has an expertise in medicine, just like the Rambam did. He's a Rav, Associate Rav in the Young Israel of Woodmere. Welcome, Rabbi Glatz. Thank you very much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here again. We've had different Rabbanim applying differently as to what organs can be taken out of a mace. It can be salvaged from a mace if there's a halachic death. Okay. So can I ask you, please define halachic death and then define as a, as a physician what organs can be salvaged post the halachic death? Okay. So the definition of halachic death is an extremely controversial one. Uh, if you're dealing with the definition of brain death, there are great posts that say that that is halachic death, and that actually makes uh, things much easier in terms of organ transplantation because the organs are being perfused, the organs are kept in, the, uh, in an, an optimal condition because the uh, circulatory system can be maintained, the ventilatory system can be maintained, and you can do this in a controlled environment to stop those because if Allah says is dead, the, per- the person is dead, then you're allowed to stop the ventilation, allowed to stop the circulation, but you can do that under very controlled situation and remove the beating heart from the person under the optimal conditions, and you can remove all the other organs as well. You can do a, a joint heart-lung transplant, you can remove the heart, you can remove both kidneys, you can remove uh, the liver, you can remove pancreas, you can remove a uh, uh, small intestine, all, all the organs in the body if it's a brain death, halachic definition. If you don't hold from brain death in halacha, the great post that do not, so then the only way you can do a transplant would be if the person were to die. And uh, then you would use the standard uh, circulatory respiratory definitions of halachic death. In that setting, however, there is going to be a medical problem with the transplantation of certain organs. The heart, for example, would not be an organ that would uh, normally be able to be harvested from a person who you wait a, a period of time, let's say that's more than uh, um, you know, 20 minutes, uh, you wait a period of time, so then the heart would probably not be considered viable to be transplanted into somebody else. And in fact, every minute, 
after death, after stoppage of circulation and ventilation, the heart will become theoretically uh, less usable, less viable for transplantation. Other organs in the body, however, might have a longer viability. Certainly kidneys could be transplanted for a longer period of time. And therefore, this concept of donation after circulatory death has become much, much more interesting and much, much more used, not only for the other organs like the lungs or the kidneys, but also for the heart. And, uh, you know, there's a tremendous shortage of organs being transplanted. In the United States, for example, I think they do, you know, three to, three to 4,000 organ heart transplants per year, but there are many, many more people that require them. And certainly with kidneys and with other organs, there's a tremendous need for organ transplantation, and there's more of a, of a demand for them than there is a uh, supply of them available. Uh, as an aside, uh, uh, the bright thing for the future would be if we could use pig hearts, uh, porcine hearts, as we've been using porcine valves in the past, and that would be a tremendously exciting and uh, would tremendously remove a lot of the halakhic issues and problems and would tremendously increase the supply. And this is something hopefully for the very near future because we've already transplanted in one human being who had survived for two months a pig heart. And these can be genetically engineered and modified so uh, it, as we learn more and, and do more, we may be able to uh, almost get rid of the problem of human organ procurement and be able to use animal. But that's still a little bit off in the future. The real issue is... You say kidneys, kidneys, so kidneys, kidneys could system. potentially be used, could potentially be used. And what about, let's say, pancreas or liver? So those probably as well. The, the heart is the major issue that's a problem. Uh, and again, it depends on how long you wait after that heart has stopped. So what are the opinions? Like how long, how long do you have to wait halachically? So halachically it's very problematic because there is no definitive answer. The halacha basically states that if there is a chance that it could be resuscitated, so then that's not considered irreversible heart death. So how long is that? And how long is that? So it's unclear. Halacha doesn't give you, to my knowledge, no POSIC has given a specific well, what, number well, of how long. Well, what can you, so, so from the so medical what would you point as a physician view, say how long? Yeah. So uh, the protocols yeah. that are established in many places, for example, at Duke, which has done over 100 such heart transplants in the last couple of years, so they use a five-minute waiting time, which means you have basically a controlled, prearranged death. Now, there, uh, let me stop there for a second. See, there are really two types of cessation of circulatory death. There's the controlled and the uncontrolled, which I'll explain in a moment. The controlled is when you have a person never has, has almost zero prognosis or, or had zero prognosis, but has not met any criteria for death yet. They're not brain dead and they're breathing and, uh, and oxygenating, so they don't meet the criteria for heart stoppage or circulatory stoppage but they will. Now the question is, when will that happen? So on a controlled setting, they will stop giving the medications that are allowing the heart to beat, which may or may not be a halachic problem. Uh, stopping something that's going in is a problem, but not starting the next medication that may be halachically permissible, depending on the case. So if we don't have to actively do something that will kill the person, but we passively just stop giving him certain medications, so then that would be halachically acceptable. And then when the heart stops, we have to wait a certain period of time. The Rambam already writes about a shihiyah ma'at. You have to wait a little bit to make sure that the guy didn't faint and that the person uh, will not wake up five minutes later. And you don't bury somebody right away. You don't do things to them right away because of the possibility that they may not be dead. So there is something in medical 
uh, you know, occurrence there, the person's heart may stop it, then it could restart on its own a short period of time later. It doesn't happen frequently, and it certainly isn't going to uh, usually occur that the person will then go on to live a long, happy, healthy life. These are in people that are extremely sick. So you always have to wait a second. Let, 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 me, let me interrupt that. In the, I think in the 1700s or early 1800s, there was a period of time where there would be bells next to... Right, um, sure, yeah. To <laughs> so who the bell to raise. Right, yeah. Right, and why? And they would put the string because there they have been cases where they declared yeah. people dead, yeah. and then an hour or two later they woke up. I guess their medicine right. they couldn't check, right. you know, maybe. And so they were afraid they would bury a person alive. So they'd have a bell in the grave where the person would ring the bell right. to say, "Hey, I'm I'm okay. Can you please take me out of here?" And there's <laughs> right. a whole whole story with Rabbi with Rabbi about it. Right. Right. Sure. Yeah. They wanted to recommend yeah. to delay burials for 72 hours for that reason, and for that reason. Uh, yeah. this was a, a major issue for the time in Bakhshem. That that really so, isn't a concern today from a halakhic so, so what's accepted? So what's accepted halakhically? One of the times somebody died and their heart stopped beating, they stopped breathing. Like, what would you say? How many minutes post that would you say they can uh, they can do that? What's, what would you, what's, give us? Uh, you're, you're, you're a physician and a rabbi, so you have both so, both crowns over here. You, you you certainly would have to wait the amount of time that would, without a doubt, not kill the person if they were able to be resuscitated. That seems to be the psak of the postkin. There, are, I'm not aware of postkin that give any. And how long is that? Of time. So this what would, would this would be more than the five minutes that currently I think is is used in many of the criteria in many different places. Uh, I think that five minutes is the accepted uh, by many as the accepted amount of time that they leave the person untouched. They don't do anything to the person. The heart is stopped beating for five minutes. And then they assume after that five minute period of time, which is basically what they call a standoff time. And then they go and intervene and they either restart the heart, which they can do either mechanically or through other interventions, or they if it was prearranged, they quickly take out the heart and do it outside the body, restart it, and do all the things to make the heart viable. Now, if the person is dead at that point in time, halacha would have no problems. The problem is that you often have to do things to this person to prepare them before they're both halachically and medically dead that might be problematic. This person almost so certainly falls into the carry of ghosts, right? So you're not allowed yeah, to touch, touch a ghost, move a ghost, yeah. and here you're going to be actually having to infuse the ghosts with either heparin or another type of anticoagulant, which is doing something that's absolutely not in the best interests of the ghosts. And the question is, would that be halachically allowed or not? Albeit, you're doing it in someone else's life, but the postkim, the postkim have a problem yeah. with that. Yeah, he says you're not even allowed to put a piece of sugar on his tongue or whatever. Right, right. You can't close their eyes. The so, example so, where you so, is like you can't close their eyes. Right. So here's the question. I think are you are you are you allowed to um how so if you were the doctor, you're in charge of this medical facility, and you said, look, we want to try to get organs from this mace. So what would be halachic procedure? How long could you wait before you you can't put heparin in before? Like just walk us through. What could this is a few people in the other room that will die if they don't get organs? Right. So the so, the so the but work us straight. So the other organs in the body, it's much less problematic because you can wait a longer period of time. And then you just have to deal with uh, issues like heparin, for which there may be, um, there, there may be heterim to give heparin in that situation with, and according to many posts, this is critical, with the permission, so to say, of the person who is the donor. And that can be from a, you know, 
document that the person says, well, they were Baruch Hashem healthy, they said, should I be in a situation where this happens, I would be willing to undergo the risk, because there's a theoretical risk of giving the heparin. I don't think that it really makes sense. But if you can't give heparin because of... But if you can't give a heparin because you're not allowed to do anything to a geysis... So there are things, there are chuvas, for example, that you can do things to a geysis to help somebody else. There's a famous chuva from the Tzitzel and also from Shlomo Zalman that talk about, um, let's say the geysis is blocking uh, an elevator, and you have to get another person in the hospital into the elevator, you'd be allowed to move the geysis in order to save the person. Now, they talk about how you can move him. You're not allowed to jolt him. You have to move him very gently. But basically, that's based upon the idea that you are allowed to do certain things with the geysis' permission for certain, but even sometimes it can be a presumed permission if it's not really something that is very significant to the Gosis. And the question is, does an injection in an already existing IV, the uh, Gosis, one, one can make the argument that there's nothing being done to the body of the Gosis, it's just the intravenous that's already in there that you're inserting a new medication to. So Shlomo Zalman says that you can't do that. He, he's of the opinion that you can't do that unless the Gosis would have given permission to it. So you, you do have potentially the opportunity to do certain things if there was either prearranged consent or and then, some post and then how, allows and, it. And, and how, so I want to get into that next. But before that, so if you put in heparin, like 15 minutes, 20 minutes, how, like if, like, could you still salvage the heart or the heart is gone? The heart, the heart would probably not be taken if it's more than five minutes. The five minutes is what they use as the time. And the kidneys, how long would gone. you need for the kidneys? You have, you have a much longer period of time. I don't know an exact medical number, but you have hours okay. for the kidneys. So that shouldn't okay. be a problem. We take, kidney, we take kidneys from a cadaver. So, and that's without doing it under these controlled situations. I understand. Well, Rabbi Glad, it's always an honor to have you with us, and thank you for clarifying the medical part of it, which uh, is so important for our audience to understand. Okay. It's always a pleasure to be here. If I can just add one thing. There is is another medical situation, which is called an uncontrolled circulatory death, where halacha might have less problems with because that's a person that you've done everything possible and haven't been able to resuscitate them. But this will occur much, much less frequently. This would be Rahmar al-Islam, somebody that has a heart attack is brought into the emergency room. A heart attack probably not the best situation, because then their heart wouldn't be salvageable. They had significant brain trauma, were brought into the emergency room, and they died. Uh, not a question of brain death, not a question of cardiac death. They are dead in front of you, and they just died a short while ago. And whether the heart in that situation could be removed and utilized, so then it would be potentially less problematic than under the control situation where you have to do a number of things to the person when they're a go safe. Here they're post go safe and it might be a little bit more permissible. I'm very glad this was fascinating. Thank you very much for your time. My pleasure. Thank you. And as a we should we shouldn't have to worry about these situations. Yes. We should be able to solve them in other ways. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Okay. Joining us from Los Angeles is Rabbi Yehuda Leibwiner. He's the rabbi of Cedar sinai which is one of the largest hospitals in the United States. He's also a rabbi on Shabbos in Texas, Israel. Welcome, Rabbi Wiener. Thank you for having me. So I imagine in Cedar sinai there are a lot of transplants that go on. Could you share with us some of the shilohs that have come your way? Sure. There, there's a lot of shilohs. Um, one of the most common questions I would say people ask is about um, putting their, their donation status on their driver's license. People want to know if they should if they should donate organs after death, and if they should, if so, they should put on their driver's license. And um, this is something that actually, I'm in favor of organ donation. It's a huge mitzvah, it's a salsa nefashos, it's a wonderful thing, but um, putting it on one's driver's license is a a big danger because um, there's a lot of 
issues that come up with organ donation a lot that we could discuss. You know, one of them is definition of death, for example. Um, if a person has it on their driver's license, they will they they have no choice. The family will have no choice in the matter. They will have already given consent to donate their organs, and whatever definition of death the hospital chooses, and however they choose to define that, even against the protests theoretically of the family, they, they will still retrieve the organs from that person, and also the burial process. Everything afterwards is completely out of the hands of the family. So. Um, one of the big issues, you know, we encourage people, if they want to donate organs, they should do it through their advanced directive. They should appoint a RUV to be involved with the process and not just leave it over on their driver's license for the hospital to make the decisions on their behalf um, without any safe in their family. That's one of the big okay, issues. That's one. So the first issue is not on your driver's license. It should be a directive and your RUV has to sign off on it. Is there an exactly. official document like that? Like, where do you get a document like that? There's many documents. I mean, a person could have their advanced directives, and on their advanced directives, they can they can write out that they want to donate organs, and then they can appoint who their rav is. Um, they can either do that. You know, there, there are Jewish advanced directives, the Guda, the RCA, Amatai. There's a number of different organizations that provide advanced directives. We have one at Cedar Sinai, and um, and they they can write in who their rabbi is. Okay, this is the first Shiloh. Bring us to your second mm-hmm. Shiloh. Um, another another common issue that comes up with organ donation is um, I, I, I we're talking about posthumous organ donation, cadaveric after a person dies. So yeah, I, I say let's, let's 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 start with posthumous because it's the easier one, right? Um, Post-death, I mean, right? I mean, yeah, I mean the the big ones that come up. First of all, first of all, is it even allowed? Posthumous organ donation is a big shaila. You know, first of all, with posthumous kavura, we we have the the issues of kavura of burial, minyas uh, kavura preventing burial, hanamenames and nivelhames. Uh, you know the the concerns about uh, you know damaging a corpse, and so first of all, we say that kavura is you know the 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 actual part of the body that is going to be uh, transplanted. In a way, it's like choser veneer. It's like it stays alive. It comes back to life. It's still alive when it's being buried, and it's also it's for pekuach nefesh. So it doesn't need to be in other words, it doesn't need to be buried because it's it came back to life once it's transplanted into the under, other individual. And hanaminames, we say you know this is shalokader hanaso. This is also pekuach nefesh when it's to save a life. And um, and when it comes to nivel hames, uh, you know, it's it's also it's it's also that's only a problem when it's shelo letzorech. But when it's for a purpose and such as letzorech gadol, like pekuach nefesh, it, it's something that could be you know, obviously very justified. Um, oh wait, Rabbi Rabbi Wiener, if it's yeah. pekuach nefesh, right? Pikuach nefesh is doicha nibelamais, hanamenamais, and and doicha kfura. So yeah. If it's if it's so if it's let's say it's a kidney or a liver, you'll tell us afterwards which organs they can take out post kfura. Pikuach mm-hmm. nefesh enough is to be matter without any of the other reasons. Am I right? Yeah. It is enough, but we strengthen it with other reasons that show that you know there's there's really a strong reason to be able to matter this. But okay, yeah, so it's simply it's just simply pikuach nefesh. But so, so which organs, which organs can be taken from a mace post, uh, from a, can be taken post Misa? There's a lot. There's organ and tissues. So there's, you know, the the most the simplest is like, you know, the tissues like skin grafting and corneas and bone. But then there's also kidneys and pancreas and liver and lungs. Um, these are all, you know, life saving organs that that can be retrieved from a, from a mace. So wait, so let's divide that because lungs, pancreas, liver, kidneys are life-saving, but, but, but skin grafts or corneas, the chayra is not, yeah. not because that fish, am I right? Yeah, it's a much bigger debate amongst the post-game. Indeed, right. there so are some that don't allow so it for that reason. Yeah, so, so it's in corneas and tissue where you have to come on to your heterim of chaleke darachana, or it comes back to life, et cetera. That's where you need to exactly. be right? Exactly. Which yeah. are much more which are much more problematic, am I right? Definitely. 
definitely. Yeah. Yeah, but, no, no, but I understand a, a, heart, a heart cannot be taken post-Misa, am I right? Well, this is where you get to a big debate about brain death. Because if one accepts okay. brain death, then theoretically they could take a heart. Because when the person could be declared dead because their brain's not functioning, but they're on a respirator, so their heart's kept pumping, and then the heart could be taken. If one does not accept brain death, then obviously they cannot retrieve a heart. Because that would be killing a person, and that's, you know, we have endokin nefesh, mipin nefesh. So wait, but let me go back to the other organs that oppose death. Are there sure. any pice skim that you know of that do not allow to take, let's say, a kidney post-death? Well, there, there were post-game in the first generation of post-game who dealt with this in, in the 60s. Uh, there were post-game that were concerned about it. The Minchas Yitzchak and the Siciliazer were both concerned when it was brand new because there was a concern that it wouldn't necessarily work. So this is one area, example of an area in Halacha where as it became more effective and was proven to be beneficial, that the post-game understood that this could be a tzalstafashos and that they allowed it. So everyone pretty much you know, it, it, it either allows it or or encourages it. Okay, but it's on the but it's on the brain death transplant is where you have a real where you have real issues, right? Yeah, brain, brain death, you have a lot of issues. I mean, there's a few areas where there's big problems. So brain death is a big debate amongst the post-game. Uh, it seems like the majority of post-game today do not accept brain death as a termination of death. Uh, those who do require very strict standards to ensure that the patient actually is brain dead. Uh, I take it very so seriously. Who, I, who, so who do, who do you go to when the Shiloh comes to you? Who do you go to? Well, me personally, I go to Rav Asher Weiss, generally. Rav Asher Weiss is very careful about these matters. He, he's, he's not oh. someone who's, a, you know, he, he's very careful about to to... to comply with the consensus of post-game. There are those so who go to other post-game. So he says brain death would not, in his position, apply as death, and, and, it's, and, it's, um, and therefore would be Asa. Yeah, I would let him, let him you know, I don't want to quote him directly on that, because I, I don't, you know, but um, from my experience, yeah, he's careful about brain death, whereas there are post-game, like, for example, the Rabbanut in Israel, both Ashkenaz and Sephard, they accept brain death, um, as long as, like Rev Lau told me, as long as there's clear clear evidence that the brain has stopped functioning completely and that there's been confirmatory tests, which not all hospitals require, but they require confirmatory tests. Also, Rev. Amar, Rev. Amar told me that he not only, when he's asked to brain death Shaila, he won't poskin it alone. He always convenes a Bastin to poskin the Shaila together because it's such a Hummer Shaila that he says, if, if I'm wrong about this, we have to share the Onesh with the three with the other postkings. So that he's, he's, not, he's not even willing to take that Shaila by himself because it's such a, it's such a, such a careful Shaila. But there are, there are many... Um, there are a number of rebellion that will accept brain death, especially in, you know, in certain cases if they're really convinced that the patient is, um, that there's no brain function whatsoever, but it seems like the majority do not accept brain death still. There's other forms of, of posthumous organization that have, bring up their own childhood, that You don't have to come, even come on to the brain death issue. Like, for example, there's something called um, DCD, donation after cardiac death. This is about 20% of posthumous organization in America today. And in DCD, what happens is they have a patient who is in the ICU. They're in very bad shape. They're not recovering. They're not brain dead by any any stretch of the imagination, but they are in very poor shape and there's no, the doctors have determined that they have no chance of recovery. They're basically in a coma. And if the family has given permission or the patient has indicated wishes to donate their organs, in these cases, they, in many cases, they'll actually take the patient to the operating room and they're still alive. I mean, they're not, function, they're not interacting with people, but they'll take them to the operating room. They'll prep them for surgery and withdraw all life support interventions, the, the respirator, and then wait. Some places they wait 30 minutes, some places 60 minutes, many places 90 minutes. And if the patient dies, their heart stops within that window. 
they'll give it another couple of minutes just to make sure their heart doesn't, you know, there's no auto resuscitation. The heart doesn't just start on its own again. And then they'll start surgery right away. They'll start retrieving the organs before it's too late, before they're, they're damaged. In, in this scenario, the, the patient was, was not dead by any definition. And yet their death was orchestrated basically in the operating room in order to retrieve their organs. And on the one hand, it saves a lot of lives, but halakhically it's very clear, I think, Deus, that this is this would be definitely usher because it's actually hastening their death in order to get the organs. And, uh, and like the Mechabah says, a crisis, you're not allowed to touch it, you're not allowed to do anything to be right, environment exactly. suffering. Right, they're they're definitely touching it. They're they're doing invasive surgery and and you know retrieving the organs. And see, these are these are things that as much as you know we we praise organ donation and there is a lot of good and there's a lot of lives that can be saved. With one body can save eight lives, but we have to be careful with the nuances. That there's some areas to be careful about and concerned about, while at the same time there's other areas that are you know very laudatory and wonderful. Can you share with us some shyness that you've had to bring, either a Basha Weiss or et cetera, that you know. You felt that they were a little complicated and needed, you know, an opinion of a, of a, you know, of a place. Uh, let me think. Um, I mean, uh, one, one of the big areas, you know, th- this wasn't one that I was specifically to ha- ask a post about. I'll tell you one of the areas that have been, there's been a lot of discussion about lately was, um, you know, how to increase the number of organ donors, but in a way that's appropriate. So in some countries, they have an opt-out system. In America, for example, it's opt-in. You have to choose that you want to donate organs. And if you don't say that you want to, they can't take that without without anyone's consent. But in many European countries, they have opt-out, meaning they will assume that every person wants to donate their organs. And unless they explicitly say not to take their organs. So in Israel, what happened was they were part of the European Union organ sharing network. And Israelis were giving far fewer organs than the European countries were giving. And they realized that it was not fair. They were they were giving many organs to Israel, but they were not retrieving, they were not receiving many organs from Israel. And so they actually kicked Israel out of the sharing network. And a lot of people thought this was like anti-Zionism or anti-Semitism, but it was, there was just a threshold under which if you don't, are not giving enough organs, you can't participate. So there was a big debate, you know, how can Israel get back into this? And, and they actually turned to a number of rabbinim because they felt that if they have to have education in Israel about this topic. And they actually came up with a strategy after a lot of debate. They, they felt like in Israel, they can't have an opt-out system where everyone's assumed to donate organs. There are just too many people who felt uncomfortable with the idea of, of organ donation. So instead, they came up with a plan to um, give priority to anyone who's on the, who will put themselves while they're alive on the list that they're willing to donate their organs when they die. If in the meantime, they end up needing organs and they're put on, and they're put on a list in the waiting list, they get priority over others. And, and this was a big debate amongst a number of um, Rabbanim were debating it and, and ethicists and um, actually in the end it worked and Israel um, increased significantly the number of organs that, that were being donated and they got back into the organ sharing network as a result of this plan. Yeah, but the, are, the from, are the from doing that too? The from are doing it much less posthumously. Kidney donation has become very, very popular amongst from Jews, Israel and America. And actually, you know, we know that now in America, even though Orthodox Jews make up like, like two-tenths of a percent of the whole country, almost 20% of altruistic live kidney donors are Orthodox Jews, which is incredible. Is that true? And, 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 is that true? Yeah. Where do, you know, where do you have that statistic from? I, I was told this by a number of people. I, Baruch Hashem, I had this close to donate a kidney um, just a couple of months ago. And when I was researching the topic, I found out about, you know, how, how few people donate 
kidneys altruistically and how many Orthodox Jews do this. And it's it's become a you know, very popular thing in the Orthodox community, and it's, it really is a big Kiddush Hashem. Now, here's a question that's going to be a problem in Eretz Yisrael. To donate yeah. po- posthumously to uh, a guy is, is very problematic, yeah. isn't that? Yeah, so that that is one of the big questions that come up, and um, so the issue is, you know, a lot of times when when a person dies, you know, they don't really have a choice. You know, they don't ask, do you want to give it to this person or that person? It's, there's a waiting list, and people on the waiting list receive the organs, and so it, it does become a question. You know, you know, if we're going to override all these concerns about, you know, minyas kvura and hanam and ames and nivel ames and all these things, um, you know, shouldn't it be then given to someone who is um, who, who who's Jewish? And that that was a concern people had, but First of all, there are, you know, on the one hand, we can say that, you know, when, we, when it comes to the Koch Nefesh, it's, we know that Ein Holchina Charov, we, 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 we try, we try, we, we do the best to give to, to the highest level we can, and we, and we, there's a lot of fakos involved, and so we, there's a list of people, and whoever's going to be on the list, you know, we, it is Hatzalas Nefeshos, and we're not sure who, exactly who it's going to be, but it moves everyone else up the list, so especially like in Israel, it, let's say someone, you know, you're not sure who's going to be on the list, but everyone else in, in the state of Israel got moved up the list because someone else received organs. And, you know, there is also the issue of AVA. I mean, I was mentioning it in terms of like the European Union Organ Sharing Network. Like if we're, if we're not giving it and we're saying who we're not going to give to and we're being specific about that, then people will say that they, they won't give to us. And it starts to be a real fill Hashem when if people would say like, well, well, we're willing to accept any organs from anybody. We're just not willing to give them to anybody, to, to just anybody. And it, it could there could be real, you know, AVA concerns, not to mention the Kiddush Hashem on the other side that when we say that we're, we're we want to save life, you know, obviously we might so, have um, this becomes, priorities. This becomes the tshuva of Ramosha Feinstein, right? Which tshuva? Ramosha, he argues on the Mishnah Buru. The Mishnah Buru says that a doctor can't go to uh, to uh, to take care of a nachri, bichil Shabbos for a nachri, oh, right. on Shabbos, because you're not doicha, you're not, you know, there's no dinner pikuach nefesh on Shabbos for, 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 for a nachri. And Ramaisha argues vehemently against it. He says, um, 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 the Asia that it'll create is the greatest Bikuach Nefesh. Right. Because right, of that, exactly. a doctor is, of course, allowed to take care of anybody. She's saying the same concept would be here, too. If we don't give, so then they're not, they're not going to give back. If they don't give back, people are going to die. That's basically your argument. Yeah, and the more we give, the more Jewish lives we are going to save in the end of the day. But of course, there are priorities. Right. I'll tell you, I mean, you asked me for Shadows that I asked. So, I, so when I found out that I was a match to donate a kidney, um, the woman that I donated to is a Jewish woman, but she's not not from. And so I asked her, Vashar Weiss, he asked some questions I asked him. I, I asked him, first of all, I said, to donate to donate an organ, he said it's a gavaldikus fos, it's a mitzvah rabba, and you know he was very uh, laudatory about it, praiseworthy and encouraging. And when I asked him, so I said, well, she's not she's not from. He said it's still hatzalas nefashos. You know, this is who I match with. The, this you know, she, I was a perfect match for her, and not for someone else. And of course, you know, there is a concept that, like, you know, if you save someone's life and they do mitzvahs, then you get the skuyos for for the mitzvahs they did. So of course, it's one, it's would be gavaldik if they were from themselves. It, it's even greater mitzvah, but it's not. It's still a mitzvah if the person is you know not religious in, in my in my case. So there's there's gradations of priorities, but it's not always and, that and, so and, and, and you and you didn't you didn't have the opportunity to donate it to a former person, is that it? It wasn't like they said here, you can choose one of you know, you have three choices, give it to one of these three people. It just happened to be that I turned out to be a perfect match for someone. See, there, there's a lot of, it's not like they just give the, the kidney or the heart or whatever it is to whoever's next in line. There also has to be matching. They have to be the right match and in the right place and they have to be ready. And sometimes, you know, if, if it's not going to go to this person, it might not go to anybody. Mm-hmm. So any donation, you know, helps everyone on the list. Rabbi Wiener, it's always fascinating having you. Thank you very much for your time. Pleasure.
Both of them. Take care. Bye-bye.